Okay, so we are going to look at sword fencing with the devil, and this is part seven. Uh, we obviously will not do a recap, you'll be here for another week. Uh, but we have divided this up where Jesus, the Lord, is in the wilderness after being baptized, declared the Son of God with power. And the devil, of course, comes to tempt him. We have looked at certain ways the temptation came to him, how he defeated the devil, which was with the sword of the Spirit. Uh, it is written, he said, then he quotes the word of God. It is written, it is written three times with the three temptations as it's known. And he slays the devil with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, as the apostle tells us. Now, in this uh, temptation in the wilderness, we have looked at things that are spiritual. All of it's spiritual too, but it, it affects us in different ways. We are tempted, tested, tried in different ways as well in our Christian living and in our Christian walk. Spiritually is the first one. Secondly, we looked at it physically, 40 days, 40 nights without food, hunger, and so on. Mentally, how he came and says, if thou be the Son of God, and he spoke as if he was trying to turn the mind of Christ. And he does, this is for you and I, in our walk now. And he does the same with us. Then scripturally, we looked at it, it is written, that is, we showed more of the sword, how Christ is the word of God. Remember, we have the spirit word. In the beginning was the word. Great eternal spirit was with God and is God. And then, of course, we have the flesh word. The word was made flesh. And that's the person in the wilderness, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we have the written word. So we have God's word in its full orbed mode to us. Notice this. So fourthly was scripturally. Fifthly, we looked at positionally. That was last week. Where we are positioned in, in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Now, we won't go through that, but we notice it wasn't with Christ because we aren't, we're on earth. But positionally in Christ, he is our great high priest who's interceding for us. We looked at that last week. And how that should encourage us when we pray, how it should encourage us and, uh, that we are in Christ already at the throne of grace and the Lord, our Father, is ready to listen to hear our prayers. Now, this morning, we're going to look at our next one. We may get one. We, if we just get one, that's fine. We may get two. But look um, with me at Matthew chapter 4, please. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Remember, that's physically. Spiritually, he was led by the spirit. Second, physically. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. You can write there mentally. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That is scripturally. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. That is positionally. We looked at that last week. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And he said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Right there, humility. 
humility. Father, take your word, we pray, and inscribe it in every single heart and print it into every single mind of every man and woman and boy and girl. And Lord, those who are way up now to the press and the children's church, we pray you'll bless them for the Sunday school that's already went uh, before the service, Lord. We pray that all that was done there this morning, you would, uh, Lord, let it lodge in the wee hearts of the boys and the girls. Bless Helen and the teachers there who faithfully, Lord, come to teach them week after week. But now, Father, as we sit under your word, we pray, Lord, that you would have free course in this place, in our hearts, in our lives, and in our minds, Father. Help us to receive that engrafted word which is able to save the soul, Lord, further and deeper into our being. And glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen. Jesus saith unto him again, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now remember, Jesus is God. Jesus is fully God, fully man. And so when the devil comes, remember the word. He is the embodiment of God's word, who was with God and that was God. So he is the incarnation of the word. When the devil comes, he finds nothing inside that body but the word of God. All that the scriptures entail is found in him. He says to the Jews, search the scriptures for the name you think you have eternal life. But they, those are they which testify of me. And so everything in it, we see now the devil comes and the Lord is using the word to slay the devil. He's using the sword. So he's sword fencing with the devil in the wilderness because the devil tries to take some of the word and they use it against the Lord. Cast thyself down, he'll give his angels charge concerning thee. And that's true. But it isn't the way the Lord had it. It wasn't what God wanted because Christ must die at Calvary and he must go there. And if he had jumped off the pinnacle of the temple, 450 foot approximately above the Kidron Valley, what would have happened is if the Lord then had of sent his angels to catch his son. Calvary would never have happened. We'd be still in our sin. The blood would never have been shed. And you and I, well, you and I would be lost for eternity. The man and the woman who are not saved are still lost for all eternity. But notice this. Notice we want to look at the humility of Christ. It's not just a matter he's taken out the word and he's slain the devil with it. He is doing that. But to be able to do that, one must first come under the authority of the word. And that takes humility. Many of you know that whenever the word of God says something to your life and it blesses you, there's nothing like the word of God. But now how many of you know that whenever the word of God says something in your life that you should not be doing or uh, something that the, the word tells you is wrong in your life, but you love it so much or you hang on to it so tight that, well, that's not for me, that's for someone else. Isn't that right? It's the having the humility that God is always right and you're always wrong. No matter how we feel, no matter what we think. That we come into agreement with our Father and his word. That we come into agreement with Jesus. That he is right in everything he says about us 
unto us. And so we must come under his word. Now Christ gives the great example here of humility. He could have done all of those things and jumped off and the father sent the angels and so on and so on. He could have. But humility not only had him here come under the authority of the word, but humility sent him to the cross. The whole way to die for us. The humility of the Lord Jesus Christ is shown in this that although he was the Son of God, and although Paul even says in Philippians 2 and 6 that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Here he is, the man in the wilderness, in in that deserted desert place, uh, hungry and tired and weather beaten with 40 days and 40 nights, tempted and tried of the devil. And he still humbles himself under what his father's word tells him. The written word. Isn't that amazing? How important is the word of God in a sermon? It is of the utmost importance. In a church, it is of the utmost importance. How important is the word of God in your life? It is of the utmost importance because when you and I are able to apply and come under the authority of that word, then you and I are shown humility in the godly sense. In the fullness of a godly sense. What if the word tells you that you have to go and uh, speak to someone you haven't spoke spoke to? doesn't tell me that. You don't know who he is. I don't care who he is. What if the word tells you? Well, it does. But they've hurt me, yeah. But the word says go and speak to them. That's just an example. You see how now it's like, yeah, but not that one. It didn't matter what the devil was going to bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. His humility was that every jot and every tittle in the Hebrew word, he was going to accomplish it because he was it in bodily form. Notice Paul says that he, the Lord Jesus, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why did he not? Let me just tell you. Because he, being of the same essence and nature of God, the Father. In other words, he says, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. I and my Father are one. They looked at a man, flesh and bone and blood. That's all they seen. The devil knew better even. The devil knew who he was. If I can stop him going to Calvary, I know I'll do everything in my arsenal to be able to tear him down. If I can stop that Christian going on with God, if I can stop him from going out to preach the word, or if I can stop her from going on to serve the Lord, if I can stop her from turning up at her Sunday school, or if I can stop her from him or her from turning up from the, the Sunday school classes or, or to help the children or, or the little ones in the morning or whenever there, it is that God has placed you in the youth and, and so on, if I can stop them, 
So he comes alongside at your weakest point. If I can stop them coming to worship, at your weakest point, you're saying, I can't do this. Are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're his? Not too sure at the minute, my way I'm feeling. Look, see if you are, why don't you do something different? And he plies everything that he has into us. And notice the humility of you and I, depending on the level of where we are, according to the word of God, is what will carry us through. Look, there are people who hurt us, and there's people whom we have hurt. There may be people who hate you. There's people who hate me. I was told it last week. Somebody trying to encourage me, come up to me and says, last Sunday night, they don't go to here, and they says, you know what, pastor, no matter how many of them hate you, we think you're great. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> trying to encourage me. No matter how many hate you, we think you're great. And I says, thank you very much. It's not about who hates who or who's done what. It's about the word. Come under the authority of it, the humility of it, and say, Lord, I'm not in this to please man. I'm not in this to please woman. Neither am I in it to upset. I'm in it to show your glory in my life. And he says, then you must come under that authority. How many hated Jesus? How many still hate the Lord Jesus Christ? And you know, when you and I get saved, I mean, talking about, I'm talking about born again saved. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not sure where I'm saved or not because I went to church. It's not salvation. I'm talking about when a man and woman have truly had a Christ encounter. That's the name of our place because that's what we want people to have, an encounter with Christ. Salvation encounter, then experience, experiential encounter, all their walk with Christ and to try and help them grow in that. When you and I, a man or woman, come to saving faith truly in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what happens? He is the one that we sang it there. He's the center. Nothing else matters but him and him alone. Notice, he is the essence and nature of God and now in flesh, he fully submits his will to the obedience of the Father. I, I'll be honest, I try my best to do that. Being honest with you, I'm a miserable failure. Not excusing it. I'm just being truthful. And the more you and I learn to come under what the word of God says, then the more humility we show. You know, he who is the eternal word or the eternal spirit is now in flesh. And he says, now, remember the, the spirit word, 
the eternal word with the Father. Now the spirit word is the flesh word and he points to the written word. Points to the scrolls. Why did Jesus quote three times out of the book of Deuteronomy? Well, you see, he could have quoted, maybe some think, maybe he could have quoted out of Matthew, Mark, Luke or John or one of the, the epistles of Paul. But here's the thing, they weren't written. So for those that think that there's no, uh, there, there's no need for the Old Testament, well, Jesus used it. Christ used it. There was no New Testament at this point. The scriptures that he spoke of and the scriptures that he had used for the sword of the Spirit were Old Testament scriptures. And all we hear today is, that's Old Testament, that's Old Testament. Listen, brothers and sisters, I know there's things in the Old Testament have changed in the New. I understand that. But from Genesis to Revelation, guess what? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And so when he uses this, he's using the, the, the Torah. No, the Torah is. It's the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He uses the last book of Moses in the Torah. The scrolls, are on big scrolls, but he being the word, obviously growing up as a, a, a young boy to a man, he had to study the word. He grew in the grace and the knowledge of his father. He grew in grace with God. And so he uses this. So study to show yourself approved unto God, Paul says. A workman or a workwoman that needeth not to be ashamed. And we're not studying to show ourselves approved unto other men. People, are, look, people come online. I got one from even when I was in America. Came online yesterday. They give me a Bible that where it says Jesus was God. I, I, does he read his Bible at all? Wants to proclaim him as a man. Has he read the word of God at all? So it's not to show ourselves approved on the, on the men. Because here's the thing. If you keep looking at other men or other women, you're not going to learn the word of God in the sense that they're going to disagree at times and you're going to feel, well, where do I go with this? Read the word. Yes, we need to sit under study. Yes, we need direction. But we're not studying to show ourselves to prove to be proved unto him or her. It's not about winning arguments, but about winning souls. Look, I could argue with someone in the scriptures that the cows come home. And that would be an awful long time because I don't have any cows. <laughs> I haven't got any. could cross T's and dot I's and tell you where punctual yes and marks is. I can do all of that. But what's the use? And all you do is win an argument and not the soul. Not the person. Jesus goes to the word and he says it is written and leaves us a great example of humility. Here's what I've written on this. Humility starts in a fully surrendered heart. Humility starts in a fully surrendered life to the Word of God. I know the, the old pious ideology of humility is 
to have a, a slight hump in your back. <laughs> maybe wear a hurry shirt and maybe whip yourself the odd time over the shoulders do you draw blood and roll your hands slightly like this. See how humble I am. Whisper even. That's not humility. That's not humility. Humility is when you say, Lord, you're right. And I am wrong. Humility is when you say, Lord, you've said it. That settles it. I believe it. Help me accomplish it. That's true humility. That no matter what comes against us, that is, in the society that we live in today, that no matter what happens to us, we're always before our God. Listen, we always talk about the great stoop, the great stoop. And that's when the Lord came down from glory, from heaven, took on the body of flesh to die for us. And that's wonderful. But listen, I was thinking about all of this. I just, when I've been reading this and teaching you this over seven, seventh week, I'll be honest, it's really helping me. Because I'm meditating on this all the time. It's helping me. And this is what I had written. I wrote, the great stoop showed humility. Yes, but the great stoop would mean nothing without the humility of the Savior's yielded heart to take him to the cross. Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Think about it. The horrors. The horrors. And the one who is life eternal is going to taste death through the sin of man. Think about that. He's going to feel the weight of your sin. He who knew no sin was yet without sin and did no sin. He's going to take all of our sin upon him. Father, if it be possible. You know what he's saying? Is there any other way? Now I see when someone comes to me and says, Jesus is our way. See, when someone comes and says to you, Jesus is a way and there are many ways to heaven or there are many ways around this mountain till we get to the top and all of this stuff that we're saying, why don't you go back to Gethsemane and hear him saying, bleeding as it were, sweating great drops of blood and hear him say, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Is there another way? There is no other way, son. There's no other way. Think about that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Fully under his father's word and will.
failed. He failed. What a savior. Proverbs 15 and verse 33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Boy, when I read that again, you read these things and you think about them during your life as a Christian, but when I read that again, it was like, bang, an explosion all over again. Something new and fresh. Before honor is humility. Christ in the garden. Before that, Christ in the wilderness. Christ on the cross. Beaten and bleeding. Bruised and dying. What humility. What humility. But now he has risen from the dead. And he has ascended up to glory. He stands at the right hand of the majesty on high. The right hand of God. And listen. He has all the honor. (laughs) And, And there's going to be an anthem. Around the throne. Blessing and honor. Glory and power. And wisdom and riches and strength. Be unto him. Who sits at the right hand of God. Eh? The right hand means beyond the him who is now in the place of all power and authority. What honor. What is there for you and I when we come under under the, the word of God and its fullness to learn to be in that place of submission and full humility? Jesus says to the devil, I shall not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm coming under his word, he says. That's humility. Sure, just once. It's not the it's not the thought. It's not the thing that comes to many of us, just the once. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I'm going to tell you it anyhow. So last night. I had a dream. And I mentioned the establishment, but it was one of the establishments I used to go and take a lot of uh, alcohol and barbitutes and put it like that. I dreamt I went. And there was someone else beside me. Alison was in my dream, but I was just telling her briefly about it, but there was somebody else beside me. I'd never seen them, but I heard them. And I walked in the doors of this club, and when I walked in the doors of the club, there was the bar room. It was a little different, but pretty similar to what it was coming 23 years ago when I got saved and never went back. And I started recognizing people still there who were there when I used to go there. But something happened. The only way I can explain it to you was the people were there, but there was like they were covered in a a visible layer of water. 
That's the only way I can explain it. And the more I looked, and I heard a voice saying, look, 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 look. And I kept looking around. Suddenly, their faces started to distort. And they started to grow more animalistic-like. I don't mean like a head of a horse. More deformed. Faces started, and their heads started going out of shape. And they started to become demonic. And I remember going, there's such and such. Look at them. And there's such and such. And there's such and such. And it got to the point where I didn't recognize who was who anymore. They were so overcome. And yet they were sitting laughing. And the music was going. And the lights were turning. And I was going, look at the state of them. Look at them. And they hadn't a clue. They hadn't a clue. They just carried on with what they were doing. And all of these demonic beings were walking right past me as if I was invisible. I woke up. Annoyed. This morning, got myself together. I mentioned briefly, not all for just the elephant because it was going out the door. I was driving here this morning in the car and it was right in front of my eyes. I could see it all over again. Next thing I thought, that's what you you rescued me from. Jesus, that's what you drew me out of. Lord, that's where you called me from. That was me. That was me. The devil had me bound, wrapped up in demonic spirit. And I didn't even know it. I was having a good time. And the old devil had came and he plied me with the drink and the drugs and all the things I used to do and all the people that I was with. And none of us even realized it, how demonic we were. And when I was driving from here at seven miles from my house to the church, about three and a half miles in, it was like the Sea of Galilee is about seven miles across. And when they're in the midst of the sea, a storm came on. And I was in the midst from here to my house to here, three and a half miles across. I was driving and there were cyclists on their own. Guess what, Willie? They didn't even annoy me this morning. started worshiping the Lord in the car. I said, oh, Jesus, you have saved me from the depths of hell, from these forces of evil and darkness, for I was lost. (laughs) Now I'm fine. I was blind. Now I see. What a saviour. And this one who came to Christ in the wilderness to tempt him, to try him, to do all of these things, he could have got out of it. Listen, we and I would take the easy way out. Be honest, we'd take the easy way out. But not him. He went all the way. Fully under his father's word and fully under his father's will. And he carried it the whole way to Calvary.
that the man who once sat like those other people with demonic spirits covering them, and listen, there's many of them, and I love them. I've tried many times talking to some of them. Don't want to know. They can't see. When I walked in, I seen people in the room full of demons. Aren't you glad you're saved? I have to close this because that's just one. By the time we get to be Christmas, by the time we're finished here, by the time the way we're going. What honor from the humility of Christ. I wonder when we come into the obedience of the word, even the things we don't like or want to do and put it aside and under his word, I wonder what blessings in store because of your obedience. Now, we don't obey him because we are looking for something. We obey him because we love him. We love him. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 5. Verses 5 and 6, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Then in verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the, mighty God, under the mighty hand of God, listen, that he may exalt you in due time. Look, let's be honest. There's nobody... Nobody knows this, only you and me and probably about another thousand plus people watching and who will watch. You ready? Hey, be honest with yourself and with me. Do you ever get to the point you're just tired of giving? Not me, no. no. <laughs> you're always giving out. You're always the one that's called on. You're always the one to be there. You're always the one, always the one. You're always, you feel like you're taken for granted and the people just use you and abuse you and then they just drop you and go on without you. Who's ever felt like that? Be honest. Be honest. Most of us, the rest of us are lying. Um, well, you know what? Do it as on to God. Do it for the glory of the Savior. And you're never going to get tired of it. You get tired in it, but not tired of it because you're doing it for him. And he will exalt you in due time. Suffer yourselves to be humble. Be subject to the discipline of God. For Christ didn't take the way out, but the word through. I want to say it again. Christ didn't take the way out, but he took the word through. Does it make sense to you? No Puritan called Nehemiah Rogers says, humility is the repentance of pride. <coughs> humility is the repentance of pride. And I promise you we're closing in two seconds. Well, that's another lie. About two minutes. <laughs> Literally two minutes. Puritan Henry Smith, you ready? Now listen to this. I thought this was beautiful. As Christ ceased not to be king because he was like a servant, nor to be a lion because he was like a lamb, 
nor to be God because he was made man, nor to be judge because he was judged, so a man doth not lose his honor by humility, but he will be honored for his humility. Puritan Thomas Watson wrote, A humble sinner is better than a proud angel. Think about that. You understand what that means? The proud angels were kicked out of glory, weren't they? Bound in chains, reserved in darkness. But a humble sinner, that is a sinner saved by grace, is better than one of those angels full of pride. So when the, when the tempter came, when the tempter came, Jesus says, I shall not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm going to do what my father says. I'm going to obey my father's word. And I'm going to carry out my father's will. True humility. This is what I wrote now. And definitely this is us finishing. The last one was a false alarm. This is it now. Truly, humility is one's surrender to the word of God. The sinner must surrender for salvation. And the saint must surrender for sanctification. It's amazing what you learn when you go into the wilderness with Christ and see him handling the devil. May God bless his word to us. And may Christ be glorified and have the preeminence in all of our lives. Amen.